Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit capital.com and start your trading journey today. Before we start this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Astrolabs. Astrolabs is a capacity building company. What does that mean? They work with entrepreneurs and with corporates on helping their employees become more digitally savvy. So they do a lot of uh, workshops as well in person and online. And they also help entrepreneurs uh, in company setup, both in the UAE and in Saudi Arabia, as well as uh, co-working spaces. They have exclusive discounts for the listeners of Conversations with Lulu. So I invite you to check out astrolabs.com slash Lulu. uh, And you will need to fill up a form and someone from their team will reach out to you and tell you more about the various offers. Welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My guest is Shant Oknayan. He's the head of global business solutions for Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa at TikTok. Before joining TikTok, he was with its parent company, ByteDance. And previous to that, he worked at Facebook and Google and preceded by a decade in consulting at Strategy and Wuzan Allen. So welcome, Shant, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Quite the journey. It has been. You've done uh, a bit of everything, right? Oh, well, yes, I think uh, um, the, the theme has been how do I stay relevant? That, that's, you know, if I, if I look at the various chapters I've been through, it's, uh, it's always been around solving for relevance. And you're in arguably one of the most relevant companies at the moment of our time. Uh, I mean, the, the, we've, we've seen and we're very grateful and appreciative the, the uptake and the relevance of TikTok, yes. especially during these particular unprecedented times, right? People need positivity and joy in their life. And yes. I think uh, TikTok lends itself very well to that aspiration. So well, it truly got everyone dancing and moving. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, it starts with some of the, the more, I think, uh, um, practical elements of joy, right? Dancing, moving, jokes, laughs and things of the sort, singing. Uh, but what we've seen the platform really evolve into is, is a lot more than that. And, you know, going back to the point of relevance, different things are relevant to different people at different times. It okay. might be, I need, you know, financial uh, literacy advice, or okay. uh, I'd, I'd love to learn how to do some DIY projects, right? Or um, I'm interested to hear more around how do I do online tutoring for my kids and make that work. So we're, we're seeing various movements now. Interesting. Uh, so you see people searching for content versus like kind of passively looking at what's on their feed? Because that's what I do if I open TikTok. I'm literally, you know, looking, scrolling through the feed. Uh, but I haven't really searched. I didn't like. I wasn't aware that there's the whole educational component. There, obviously, there's the discovery element of it. Uh, you can actively search if you'd like. 
but okay. the, the essence of the algorithm is one that it figures out very quickly what is relevant for you yes. in that given moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so sticky. Okay. So what's been on your mind lately? Like what, what has been preoccupying you these days? Um, I think it's less about what's preoccupying me and, and, and more of how do I ensure we're, we're on the right path uh, across different elements, right? So I'm first and foremost a, a father, a husband, a son, a brother. Um, and, you know, the, the overarching question is how, how do I ensure people's well-being in this during this change and ambiguity that we're all going through, right? So how are my kids reacting to this new reality? You know, I have an eight-year-old daughter. She used to go to school. She was uh, online schooling for, for the longest time. How, how did she live through all of this? Uh, I have a one-year-old son who effectively was born during COVID, so he doesn't know any different, right? So social interactions might be a little bit more challenging for him, and he hasn't seen people as much as maybe a, a, a child born you know, pre-COVID would yes. have experienced, um, is my family safe? I've got, you know, older parents living in Italy. Italy was pretty hard yes. hit by all of this. Um, but then just beyond COVID, there's, you know, other issues and crises that are happening in our region, you know, uh, the situation in Lebanon, you know, my, my wife is Lebanese and her whole family is there. You know, you, you know this personally. Um, how are they doing? How are they coping with, with so much uncertainty and so much ambiguity in, in their lives? So there's that, there's the personal aspect. And then on the professional side, um, you know, we, we've built a team at TikTok that has never met in person, right? They, most 95% of the team onboarded during the pandemic. We haven't been to the office. We haven't built that emotional equity with one another, right? Relationships have been very transactional via Zoom or whatever video conferencing platform you use. So my question is, how do I create culture mm -hmm. in a virtual environment, right? How do I ensure that there is this, this fabric, this social contract uh, within the team that enables and empowers them, right? Um, and then at a broader level, it, it's, you know, as, as a personal quest, you know, one of the things that drives me is uh, bringing uh, the best uh, out in people, right? Uh, ensuring that they're the best version of themselves. And so what role am I playing in enabling this or young organization and these team members uh, in embracing who they are? And it starts ultimately with, with yourself, right? You know, if I take the airplane analogy, you know, when they're going through that safety mm -hmm. um, presentation, they say, please put on your air, you know, your oxygen mask first before you help others. Yes. Because if you don't have self-care, if you aren't clear about your North Stars and who you are and what you're solving for, um, how, can you, how can you help others figure that out as well? So I know it's a, it's a bit of a multi-pronged kind of answer, but there's a personal aspect, there's a professional aspect from an overarching kind of leadership perspective, and then there's a bringing that back to who do I want to be in this period of change and ambiguity. That's a lot. That's a lot of thinking and a lot of soul searching. Yes, a lot of coffee to fuel that. <laughs> <laughs> on the so on the on the culture uh, mm. front, because I think that's you know that's a very important topic. So, have you had any 
breakthroughs? Because I think you and I had this discussion uh, uh, maybe a month back or so. Yeah. Has there been any kind of uh, best practices that, you, uh, that you've uncovered or something that you feel works or doesn't work? Look, uh, solving for culture is not kind of a, a checklist. Hey, we now have great culture, right? I think it's, it's, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. uh, but let me preamble that with the fact that um, you know, the, the saying in tech is culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? So strategy, you can think very rationally and put a business case together and it's fact-based. You can sprinkle some, some storylining to that and, yeah. and you have a strategy in terms of what you want to achieve from a business perspective. But how you achieve it, the, the cultural traits that, uh, and then the practices and the principles that you want to embrace are... Are, are key to making it successful, right? I've had multiple conversations with business leaders um, from various industries over the last 18, 24 months, and they all look at tech and digital disruptors mm -hmm. and say, you know, how do you guys continue to be so relevant, right? Um, and, and I think there's multiple elements, uh, there's multiple kind of facets to that. Um, it stems first and foremost from um, the why. Okay. Right. What, what's your purpose? Right. What the company's why? The, the company's why, but also then your functions why, your personal why. You know, why do you come to the office? Why are you part of this organization? What are you solving for? Right. So, purpose-driven organizations uh, have a few north stars that they're constantly shining. Okay. as part of their culture, um, so that people then can figure out what's the best way to get there, okay? So that's, and, and we'll talk about, I'll, I'll summarize it as my four Ps, but that's the first P, the, the purpose. Okay. The second is around, well, what are you going to do and not to do to fulfill that purpose? And I, I don't mean the strategy. The strategy evolves over time, right? But it's, it's those cultural traits and behaviors and principles and values, whatever you want to call it. And just to clarify one thing, so the purpose here you mean it's your personal reasons for being at work that have to align with the company's purpose? Uh, that's why it's multifaceted, right? Are you, okay. are you first and foremost a true believer in what the company is trying to do, right? Okay. Um, and, and, and I'll bring my journey into, into that story now uh, shortly as well, but uh, you know, do you understand and are you fully aligned on the North Stars of the company? And do they align with your own North Stars, right? Of who you want to be and the impact that you want to have. Very deep and probably evolves over time. Uh, but then it's around the traits that you want to exhibit, the behaviors. Uh, whether you say they're going to be behaviors you do or don't, right? It's both. It's being very explicit about both. Um, and then I'll bring up kind of the, the culture that... We're trying to create a TikTok, you know, going back to your question of have you made any breakthroughs over the last month? Um, so what are those principles? Um, the third is around whom you're going to do it with, right? And you and I were having a conversation of, you know, as one thing, so their career, sometimes it's less about what they're doing, but it's who they're doing it with, yeah. right? So who are you surrounding yourself with? Who are the people that are on this journey with you? And more importantly, just to peel that onion a little further, it's, how are you solving for diversity, not conformity, right? Not, not diversity um, as what we hear it today. Okay, not, you know, just gender diversity, gender, race yeah. and ethnicity. Yes, absolutely, because they all bring a different reality to the table. 
but also diversity in terms of thinking and psychometric, etc. Right? Yeah. And it's a much harder journey, by the way, when you've got a diverse group of people, as opposed to people who are like-minded. But the problem is with like-minded people, very easy to manage and lead, but you only see one aspect. You only see one way of doing things. So surrounding yourself with people who are diverse and bring different realities to the table makes you go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, right? And, and being curious, not judgmental in that journey. And then finally, it's about the programs that you put in place, the, the how you're going to make all of this work, right? And it could be the strategy that you put in place to be relevant for that region. It could be the programs to create a people agenda or a culture agenda internally, uh, the areas of focus that you decide to drive. Um, but that, that's kind of more on the tactical side. So these are the four P's that I've figured the out. Four P's. So, so purpose, purpose, your why, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the principles, the okay. what you're going to do and not do or aspire to be. Uh, the people you do it with, so the whom you're working with, mm -hmm. and then the programs, the how you're actually going to hopefully achieve uh, these three Ps. I wanted to ask you um, something on the, on the cultural side, on the diversity, actually. Mm -hmm. So my understanding, usually uh, for multinationals, at least when you're hiring people, is that you have certain tests that you need to do and maybe, I don't know, I, I would have thought that you would want a certain type of character. But you mentioned something very interesting, which is diversity of thinking, uh, which nobody really talks a lot about. Usually mm -hmm. when we talk about diversity, we say we want more women or ethnicity or so on. Um, so do you do this? So let me preamble with, with diversity is everything that you've just mentioned, right? Okay. It's, uh, uh, it's gender diversity, race diversity, ethnicity, background, uh, socioeconomic situation, etc. Um, do we leverage psychometric tests to then figure out diversity of thought? I think it can be an input. I mean, there are, there are a few kind of tests that... I'm, I'm a big fan of. Uh, there's one called the standout assessment. It, it identifies, after you fill out a survey, it kind of identifies uh, out of nine profiles, which are the two profiles that you kind of represent best as a person. Okay. And uh, I've, I've asked my team to do that as an input, not the only input. Okay. And, and to kind of figure out, well, are we, are we over-indexing one type of profile versus another, right? Oh, are we, are we, do we have too many advisors and influencers and not enough teachers and equalizers, right? Okay. These are just some of the profiles. So it, it just helps to maybe reassess whether your diversity movement is in the right direction. Nice. But it's an input. It's not the only input. Okay. So you use it with the purpose of diversifying. So you're not, as you said, over-indexing a certain attribute or trait. Yes. Oh, interesting. That's good to know. But just to, you know, uh, the flip side of that is diversity of thought, absolutely. Diversity of behavior goes back to some of those principles that we were mm -hmm. discussing, as you know, the second P. Um, it's important for there to be a, a pledge or a social contract amongst people of behaviors that everybody is going to uh, exhibit, right? Um, and you know, going back to the breakthrough on the culture side that you, know, that you were asking about earlier, 
Um, and in the spirit of alliterations, because I love alliteration, so four P's and we now have our five H's. Five H's, okay. Five H's. That's the consultant in you. That is the That's consultant in you. not the TikTok in you. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. There's yeah. a lot, you know, obviously there's a lot of okay. structure, uh, structured thinking at TikTok these are as well. the remnants of uh, Booth Allen Hammond. <laughs> Most, you know, you can take the consultant out of consulting, but you can't take consulting out of yeah. the ex-consultant. <laughs> Um, so the five H's, right? Behaviors that we're all going to uh, aspire to, uh, to live up to. Uh, hunger, hustle, humility, hardiness, and heart, right? Okay. So hunger, having that ambition, having that aim for the highest. It's, you know, it's one of our bite styles, actually, one of our values at a company to say, we think exponentially, not linearly, right? Uh, and be uncomfortably excited by that. It's... it's uh, you're not solving for an incremental step, you're solving for something transformational. So, so show me that you're hungry and, and pushing the agenda. So when you say think exponentially, this applies to everybody that works at TikTok. And, and how does that translate into like, would, would someone, you know, junior come and tell you, hey, Shant, you know, I think we should do you know, X, Y, Z, that's... Absolutely, and that's, yeah. that's probably, you know, the third H around humility, right? the organization and everybody within it needs to be humble uh, and open uh, in, in, in taking input from anywhere in the organization. You know, we have a very flat hierarchy. We don't actually have titles internally. Um, it goes back to the essence of putting the we before the me, right? And get, gathering input, diversity of thought from different places in the organization, right? You've hired people to bring something to the team. Why wouldn't you listen to them? Right? Why would you yeah. think that you are the only one who has all the right ideas and, and strategy going forward? So um, if someone anywhere in the organization says, I think this is a great idea, and here are the reasons why, by all means. Yeah. You know, if it meets the purpose, if it's towards that North Star that we mentioned, then absolutely run with Good. it. So for everyone listening, this is uh, important, very important for you to know if you ever want to interview uh, at TikTok. So... So the first hunger, is hunger, right? hustle. The hustle, so um, having extreme ownership of, of what we're trying to do, not kind of say, well, this is my job, and as long as I do my job, I'm okay, mm -hmm. right? The hustle of a startup, and you know, you've, you've led a startup. Yes. You know, you're no task too big, no task too small. Sometimes you're having the most strategic conversation with the C-suite. The other day you're talking about, okay, are we going to change the facilities manager in our, in our building because uh, we, we know we've grown. So um, the, the hustle needs to be a, one of extreme ownership. You know, you're not expecting the company to step in and just sort things out on your behalf. You're a hustler, you're pushing that agenda mm -hmm. day in, day out, right? The humility we've touched on, right? Uh, the putting the we before the me, it's a team sport. Right, the analogy I use is, it's, a, it's just like a football team. I'm a big football fan. I grew up in Italy. It's, it's like a second religion to me. Um, you know, uh, the aim of the game is to win it. I don't care if you as an individual scored five goals if the team lost, right? If on the other hand, you came back and defended, maybe I had to sub you off because there was someone more suited for that specific moment or, um, you know, uh, you, you, you took one for the team, mm -hmm. but the, and the team won. Well, guess what? You're part of that celebration. So having the humility to park your ego at the door and say, all right, I'm here to enable everybody else and help everybody else. The hardiness comes from 
the ambiguous times that we live in, right? The, the resilience that, that resi is required. Yeah, I was going to say, resilience. is that okay. It is, you know, the uh, You have hard to find an H. Yes, yes, you know, my alliterations are wooden, it, it, it look off there. Did you come up with the five H's? I did. Oh, I did. okay, I, I thought it was going to be like... Myself, and then the team has added, right? So I had three H's initially, and then like, right. what about hardiness and heart? And there's a sixth one, the, the human factor that is now being kind of added to that as part of our culture, okay. right? So hardiness, uh, reality is um, we're overall in a very evolving landscape, whether it's in the kind of personal life or in the business kind of landscape. You know, digital transformation, five-year plans have been collapsed into five months and things of the sort. Uh, but as TikTok specifically, we've been through a lot in the last 18 months. Some stories of success, right? Absolutely, the astronomic growth that we've had, uh, both on the consumer side and on the business side. But, you know, we, we've been challenged as well, right? Uh, you know, we, we've had situations in India and situations in the U.S., um, and, and even internally, you know, we, we've grown the organization 10, 20x during a pandemic when, they haven't, when people haven't met in person, as we discussed earlier. So the resilience of people going, okay, you know, it's fine, this, this discomfort, I'm actually excited by it, not scared by it, is one of the cultural traits that we're saying we're, we're going to have a, a pledge around. And the last is heart. And... Um, heart being kind of bringing empathy back to the table, right? Uh, and, and ensuring that people are okay, right? It, it, we've been through really hard times, and we still are, right? We're not, we're not out of it, you know? There's still curveballs coming our way, yeah. uh, variants, socioeconomic crisis, whatever else it is, especially in our part of the world, you know? Yes. It's, it never rests here. No. <laughs> never rests, and, and, and it's important to have empathy and to kind of take a step back in. And how are you doing, you know? How, how can I help you? Right, having that kind of empathy, um, and uh, you know, uh, that is one of the areas that I'm personally trying to to be more involved in, um, and making sure that people bring their true self to work, um, not park their baggage at home and kind of say, okay, I need to put on my professional mask, right? But actually take that mask off and go, here's who I am, and these are the, I'm, I'm a complex being, I have multiple sides to me. And they're all valid, and one of them may shine more than the other in any given moment, but it's important for you to know who I am so that uh, uh, you know, we, we path uh, the way forward together. Okay, are you going back to the office soon? That is the intent, that is the intent. You know, uh, obviously we've been following closely on, on the situation and on how numbers and positivity rates and vaccination rates have been evolving. And you know, this country, I think, has done a fantastic it job has. at it. Um, so I think we're going to be one of the first global teams to go back to the office. Yeah. And the big question, in what format? It's going to be Oof. hybrid, not hybrid. Uh, it's going to be a partial model initially, okay. right? Um, so a certain percentage of the, uh, of the office uh, can, be, uh, can be used. Um, and there's different approaches to that. You kind of say, on any given day, there's a specific team that goes in, or do you just do a first come, first serve based yeah. on a booking approach to enable collaboration? Because why do we want to go back to the office? It's not because I need a work desk or I need internet connection, right? It's because you want that human factor, mm -hmm. that sixth H that I was, I was kind of bringing. You, you want to collaborate. Offices, I think, will evolve to be collaboration spaces, not a place where you go and sit into your desk 
and just open up your laptop, put on your headphones and work away. You can do that from home. Yes, that's true. So um, a hybrid initially, right? If you have calls, take them from home. If you're coming to the office, it's because you're genuinely going to meet and collaborate with people on a specific project. Uh, and then we'll see how that evolves over time. We'll, we'll see if that experiment is fruitful, if it's valuable to the business, valuable to our people, and uh, we'll take it from there. There is merit, though. There has been merit of people working from home, right? I mean, it's it's had a, a wonderful impact in, in some areas on people's personal lives, right? Um, it's had multiple areas of impact, um, I think. Uh, people have been a, uh, a lot more authentic in terms of, look, my kid's going to walk in on us yeah. while we're having a chat or look, between 2 and 3 p.m. I have to go pick up my children. So yeah. I can't have any calls there. Right. So the balance between work and life, maybe it's not bad. It's, it's the, the harmony between work and life has become yeah. better from that perspective. I think we become more productive. Right. Uh, there's no commute time. You can jump yes. from one call to another, etc. But at what cost? At what cost? Because people are burnt out. We don't know yet, are they? People burn out. People are like, you know, we were having this conversation. Yes. I need to get back into the workplace, right? I need to interact with people. Mm. We are social beings. Um, and uh, one of my team members brought up a, a, a fantastic kind of thought the other day. He and his team had met in the office to think about next year's strategy. And I asked him, how was it? He's like, look, it was by far my least productive day ever since I've been at TikTok. But the best day I've yeah, had. Because they spent time because catching up. I, I caught up with people. Yeah. I understood who they are and what makes them tick. And we built an emotional bond. The relationship is no longer transactional, mm. right? I, I, I understand where they're coming from when they share a perspective or, or an attitude, etc. cetera. Uh, you can't do that in a virtual environment. So that connective tissue very important and the best ideas come from water cooler conversations mm. a game of foosball let's catch up for a coffee that's where the best ideas come from right and goes back to what we were discussing earlier culture eats strategy for breakfast and you need people to come together to have that cultural fabric between them so you, just uh, out of curiosity, you've worked with some great companies um, like they were, they were, that were at the forefront or are at the forefront of like the evolution of uh, you know, our, our digital lives and our social lives and, and media at the same time. So maybe briefly, can you uh, share like a snapshot of like how this evolution happened? And also, I'm very interested in like, what, in your opinion, makes these companies so successful like, mm. at what they do? I mean, you've worked at Google, Facebook, and now ByteDance, TikTok. Mm -hmm. So, look, the, the evolution of digital media and kind of digital consumption is, is also my journey in the sense that my overarching purpose from a professional perspective is to, to be a holistic digital strategist. I started my journey in consulting supporting digital transformation of businesses and governments here, right? And, and then said, look, I need to put my hand where my mouth is and actually work for a digital giant, not just consult on digital. And that's when I joined Google at a time when they were incredibly, I mean, they still are, but at the time they were the most relevant 
platform or digital company, right? So, so if we take a step back and look at the evolution of digital media, you know, when, when the internet happened, you know, in the mid '90s, when early adopters kind of became the the silent, you know, the early majority, um, the way digital was consumed was in the form of uh, portals, mm-hmm. right? The Yahoos of this world, etc. You, it was it was based on context. I like finance news, and I'm going to go to the finance section to read about that. I like cars, I'm going to go to the automotive section. You know, whatever your uh, uh, whatever your focus was, there was context for it, and you'd go find it. It was very linear. The editor would decide what you would read, right? Mm-hmm. And then Google came along and said, look, the context graph is great in terms of a linear push from an editor around content that you might find interesting, but you may be looking for something mm-hmm. as, a, as a consumer. So I'm going to introduce the knowledge graph. Search. What are you looking for? And how do I make that information useful and accessible to you, right? That's when I joined Google in in late 2010, early 2011. um, The knowledge graph was kind of the the most relevant approach to digital consumption. And then Facebook came along and said, you know what? Intent signals, the knowledge graph, it's great. But you know what's even better is discovery. And what's the, you know, what's the best way for you to discover a new restaurant or, or a, new, uh, you know, a new hobby, etc.? Usually it's a friend. Exactly. Asking a friend or a family member, right? Word of mouth. They say, we're going to bring in digital word of mouth. We're going to give people the power to share and create community, right? So social graph became the new relevant way to convey and consume digital content. So in 2016, you know, I'd been through my Google journey, had helped build, because I'm a builder, right? So I'd helped to build Google's presence here. And then said, look, uh, I've done the knowledge graph. I'd missed the context graph. I was probably too young and still consulting. Hadn't seen the light. But I'd done my stint at a knowledge graph company, understood the essence of it. And I'm like, this is what's relevant now, the social graph. Let me be part of the biggest enabler of that. So Facebook and its family of apps and services, Instagram, etc. I think we're now, so those were three phases, right? Context, knowledge graph, social graph. We're now in the fourth evolution, which to me is the content graph or the interest graph. I don't care what you're looking for explicitly. Honestly, I don't care what your echo chambers are talking about either. I actually want to leverage machine learning and technology Mm -hmm. to put content that is relevant to you right then and then, right? It's it's around shifting your consumption patterns to the content that you are interested in in that given moment. And that's, I think, been exemplified beautifully by Netflix, right? I was gonna say, yes. Uh. Right, from a publisher-generated content perspective, you know, big productions, original content, big shows. from a UGC perspective, a user-generated content perspective, I think TikTok exemplifies that beautifully. So those kind of, that's been the evolution, at least in, in, in my book, of digital media. It's also represented my journey, right? Knowledge graph when it was relevant, and it still is, but it's kind of, kind of not the, the most relevant aspect. It's a, it's, it's a mainstay now. Social graph, when digital word of mouth was the way to drive discovery, and now it's around the content graph and, and, and this entertainment platform, this infotainment platform that 
is driving positivity and creativity and joy from a content perspective and you going, aha, I didn't know that. I've discovered something new. Mm -hmm. um, so that's... And it's pushing people to become content creators themselves. Absolutely. In, in a very raw and authentic manner, mm -hmm. right? It's not these big productions. It's these 15 second, 60 second yeah. videos of a passion project and relying on the algorithm to say there are others like you. There is a community of people yeah. who are interested in the same passions and I'm going to share your content with them. Yeah. You know, every time I try to understand uh, this, this uh, evolution, at least the last part of it, is I feel... You know, maybe maybe I'm getting too old, but there 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 seems to be such fascination with this raw type of content, uh, you know, and and yeah, people love it. I mean, I was just watching the news the other day, and there's this girl who wasn't invited to a party, uh, and she went on TikTok and she did this. Uh, she did a TikTok about basically not being invited to that party. And then there's this whole global movement now that she started. Well, she started in the U.S., but now she's, she's done a movement called uh, something like uh, No More Lonely People or something mm. like that. And then she's done a physical gathering of 700 people in New York. Wow. All of that based on like a TikTok a video that went like absolutely bonkers. Look, you're, you're spot on. Uh, so what's the appeal? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's people amazing. want to be their true Especially self. Especially for this generation. But we're seeing, we're seeing the chasm across generations being, uh, being uh, fulfilled, right? It's not only about Gen Z. It's not? It's not. You know, um, the majority of users on TikTok are actually between the ages of 18 and 34. So, so I mean, it's the millennials primarily. And we're seeing older generations lean in as well, right? Only because you're older doesn't mean you don't have an area of passion. Or, or a piece of content that you want to convey to the world or, or a sense of community that you want to create around a specific movement, right? So these content platforms, and specifically TikTok, is becoming a cultural movement platform. Mm -hmm. We've seen uh, challenges like, you know, um, the baked feta cheese challenge, right? People said the milk, crate. I, the, the milk crate, which is you know a dangerous one, unfortunately. Um, uh, or, or more importantly, um, I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, the 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 uh, blue collar worker in Idaho, you know, uh, his car breaks down. He's a skateboarder, right? That's the that's who he stand. You know, that that's who he identifies himself with. So his car breaks down on his way to work. Yeah. He needs to get to work, right? He's got a skateboard in the back of his pickup truck, gets on his skateboard, and films himself. I think I've seen that, yes. It was on the news as well. Absolutely. Films himself riding his skateboard to work with such positivity, right? With Fleetwood Mac's 1970s dream song playing in the background, him drinking cranberry juice, because skateboarders drink cranberry juice for, for health reasons. Um, and the impact that had, the, the, there's nothing special, right? And yeah. people ask, how do you make content go viral? And there isn't a secret sauce. It's about a, an emotion that you stir in people. The positivity of, hey, I'm fine. I'm just going to ride my skateboard to work on this yeah. beautiful piece of music that is 40 years old. The impact that had, not only in terms of people jumping onto that movement, the impact it had on the song. The song came back in the top 40 globally, right? 40-year-old song. The impact it had on the company, the, orange, the, the cranberry juice company, 
right? Their stock price went up 30, 40, 50%. Shelf space was sold out. So you're creating cultural movements that people want to be part of. And I think that's what content platforms like TikTok are driving. It's no longer let me mindlessly scroll through content and see what my echo chambers are up to, but I'm leaning in and genuinely interested to see what communities of like-minded people yeah. are posting about. Yeah. Actually, your, mo your own echo chamber might not even care that you skateboard it to Absolutely. work. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so uh, the second question is, is, is what, makes them, uh, what makes these companies really great? Because, yeah, they are. Uh, and they have massive impact. It is the constant quest to stay relevant. Okay. Right? It is, um, you know, we spoke about those five H's and that hunger and that hustle. You know, Steve Jobs had brought it up in his, one of his commencement speeches, you yes. know, stay hungry, stay foolish. Yes. It is that constant quest to say, if we don't disrupt ourselves, somebody else will. Some other company will. Something new will come up. Um, that's what I think differentiates, and, and it's one of the cultural traits of tech, right? Their purpose is so kind of broad and high level. The job is never done. There was a saying at Facebook, I'm own, the, the, the journey is only 1% finished, right? No one's resting on their laurels going, okay, we've, we've connected 3 billion people plus. Mm -hmm. Is our job done? Absolutely not. There's different ways to connect people. Right? Google's mission of universally um, making information accessible and useful to everyone. How, how do you say, yes, we've arrived there? You know, there's, there's so many different ways of classifying information. Initially, it was search, then it was, well, information around physical location, Google Maps, and then there was information around communication, email. And so the constant quest to stay relevant is what makes these companies successful. Um, ByteDance, uh, is on that quest as well. How do you stay relevant as an experience engine, right? TikTok, I think, exemplifies that really well, but ByteDance has uh, endeavors in the gaming industry, in the education industry. How do you bring new experiences to that? How do you enrich life, which is ByteDance's purpose, um, uh, through, through those experiences? Not just as an entertainment platform, but okay. in gaming, in education, etc. cetera. Uh, how do you bring relevance in the way we transact? Right? In the e-commerce space, the reality is China is arguably the most evolved e-commerce uh, ecosystem in the world. It's no longer around this transactional relationship. You're scrolling through your favorite platform. You see an ad. You click on it. It takes you to the homepage, product page, add to cart, add your credit card details. Thank you. That brings a lot of friction into yes. the relationship, right? And you're like, I wasn't here to buy stuff. I was here to consume content. And you've now just taken, you've disrupted what I was here for. Um, there are movements in China around native commerce, around gamified commerce. How do you make this a lot more fun? How do you make this a lot more interactive? Mm -hmm. Live commerce. Live commerce, yes. Right? It's huge. Yeah. And where it's not only kind of buy now, static images, one-way communication, but it's like kind of going back to 1980s, late night TV, you know, have you tried this Hoover? It's amazing. Look at it in real action, etc. So E-commerce is being disrupted, and ByteDance is at the forefront of that in, in, in China specifically, and, and we'll see that uh, pop up with, with TikTok. Okay. You know, there's a few experiments globally around that. So um, there is movements around how do you offer these, this great technology that makes the, 
the platforms that we have so successful, you know, clients and partners ask us, well, we'd love to figure out how AI can drive our business and our e-commerce and our digital transformation, right? So white labeling that and offering that as an enterprise solution. So staying relevant, listening to what your ecosystem wants from you, or you know, there's, a, there's a business need to solve that is in line with your North Star. And that's how these companies keep disrupting themselves before someone else disrupts them. So as a, as a leader, um, you, you talked about you know, bringing your full self to work. You talked about culture a lot. Um, when we spoke previously, you said, don't park yourself, you know, you just said it now, don't put on your professional mask. So why is that so important to you? So I'll, I'll elaborate on the theory and then kind of the, the, the very practical side of it from a personal perspective. There is strength in vulnerability. Vulnerability is not about exposing your weaknesses, but it's, it's around showing others who you truly are. And that enables empathy and it builds connective tissue. The human factor comes out. Now, the way I've learned that this is something that it matters to me, right, is through a own personal situation. Um, I have two children. I have an eight-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. My eight-year-old daughter is the most solar, caring, positive child I know, uh, which is further accentuated by the fact that she is a person of determination. She has a rare genetic um, disorder. There's less than 200 cases in the world. And as first-time parents, when we had uh, Lilia, you know, you, you expect certain things to happen as a, as a parent, and we very quickly realized those were not happening for her, and obviously we weren't seeing those experiences either. So um, that meant that we went on a very long kind of path of enlightenment. You know, it's, uh, there's that initial shock and... And, and situation of, um, of going dark, right? And it puts a strain on you. It puts a strain on you financially, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and you know, one of my favorite movies, there's a quote in there, and it's one of the Batman movies that says, uh, the night is darkest just before dawn. And Lilia gave us a reason to see light because of who she is. She decided that she was going to be determined in breaking the glass ceilings that life had dealt her, right? Uh, she was going to be positive in the way she thought of these challenges, not be held back by them. Um, the resilience and the grit that she exhibited uh, were Put us, we were in awe of all of this. And when we said, if, if she's the one going through this and can take that challenge head on, why can't we learn from that as well and, and, and embrace those traits? So this personal story has shaped a lot of my 
and a mindset as a leader, right? My five H's to a certain extent come from that. The hardiness, the heart, the hustle, the hunger to keep pushing and breaking barriers, the growth mindset. And why would I not bring that, you know, that personal story, uh, the, the person who enlightened me to all of this into who I am at work, right? And, and, and show people that I've been shaped up of my circumstances and my situations. And I'm sure that everybody has a life story. Everybody has something that has shaped them into who they are. And exhibiting that or, or sharing that enables you to understand who they are and what makes them tick. So one thing that we do, for example, at work is we have our own very own TED Talks. We call them TikToks. Mm-hmm. There's no agenda other than share a life story that matters to you and lessons that you've learned from them. And there's so much power that radiates at the end of those stories. You can just feel the energy, whether it's in the virtual room or in the physical room, of people removing their masks and and connecting and empathizing. Yeah, I've been through that. Oh, wow, I didn't know you went through that. And, you know, thank you for sharing that. Whereby that vulnerability becomes a strength, right? It, it's 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 it shows courage and 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 being brave and being able to embrace that and not hide behind it. So uh, it enables for stronger situational leadership. It enables for stronger emotional bonds between people. So I'm a true believer of bringing your authentic self to work because it'll make everybody around you better as a result of that. So you, you shared the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously that opens up, you know, the opportunity for others perhaps to share. Yes. They share their stories. their life so much. It's, they share their stories, but it also opens your door to them. Right? You're going back, to, you know, you asked very earlier on, can someone who's joined newly or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or as a junior member, you know, can they just share their idea? they feel empowered to because they see just another human being across the table from them. It's not like, whoa, yeah, no, he's, he's a GM or, you know, they, they don't see the title, they see the person. And bringing your authentic self to work enables that. And I think this is, you know, in, in our part of the world, I think people feel that it's very much taboo to speak about whether it's you know mental illness or physical illness or any sort of you know disability, it's uh, I think it's very uh, it's quite the breakthrough for you to go in front of like a full team of people and talk about this. And that's why vulnerability is a strength. Um, and look, I think there are paradigms, there there are movements in not making these things a taboo. I think this, this country's leadership in particular has done a fantastic job at breaking those walls down, right? People of determination. It's not a person with a disability. It's what behaviors are they exhibiting. You're not, yes. to me that is so powerful. Um, and you know, kind of driving inclusion, right? Uh, and saying everybody has something to bring to the table. You just need to discover what their superpower is, right? It goes back to, you know, diversity of thought also means helping them feel included to share their superpower. That's why it's diversity and inclusion, not just diversity. Um, so I, I think there is a movement of people taking off a mask uh, and, and showing who they truly are, especially with the newer generations. And, and platforms like TikTok have enabled that. You know, you brought up the story of, of, of that young girl. 
kind of saying, no more lonely people. Mm. You know, she she didn't think of that as a taboo. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm I'm no, but yeah, no, no one, no one the I'm not invited. I'm not cool enough. They're like, she's like, no, you know, uh, that's it. We're gonna break this. You know, no more lonely people. Yeah. There's strength in that, right? There's strength in opening up and being vulnerable. And uh, I'm 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 hopeful. I'm hopeful that we'll see more and more of that uh, across our immediate circles, our business communities, and you know, the overall region. Thank you for that. Thank you for, uh, for sharing. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this conversation with Shant. I hope you found it enlightening and insightful. It really gave us an insider view uh, about the inner workings of these great companies and uh, definitely appreciated all of the tips that he shared. As usual, if you want to reach out to me, you can connect with me on social media, at, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at Lulu Chazen. You can also visit conversationswithlulu.com, go to the contacts page, and you can contact me there for any feedback, guest recommendations, speaking inquiries, uh, consulting, or anything else. I, if you are enjoying the show, I would love to ask you to subscribe to your uh, platform of choice, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Enrami. Uh, also, leave us a rating and a review. That would be really helpful in, uh, in helping drive awareness to the show. And also, it encourages discovery and, and encourages a trial. So I would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and a review and subscribe to the show. And of course, Share it with your friends and family and colleagues, whoever you feel uh, is going to benefit from this content. So for now, I'm going to wish you a great rest of the day or evening, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.